Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Beulah land 
so glad to be with you today. I appreciate the blessed music from our musicians, and I appreciate you all. We're going to resume our study of Daniel here in chapter 9. We pick up the text right after Daniel had received some help from the archangel Gabriel in understanding the vision of the future, and then Daniel got sick from the vision. It disturbed him so much that he was sick in the spirit, and he was also sick about the condition of his people and the nation Israel. And here we pick up Daniel's great prayer recorded in the ninth chapter of Daniel. Follow along as I read in my Bible, and I hope you have yours with uh, yourselves there, and uh, if you can, open a Bible and read with me. It says, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the numbers of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled. Even by departing from your precepts and your judgments, neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame, a face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us. 
because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your holy city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Beloved, intercessory prayer requires a proper heart attitude. How does intercessory prayer require a proper heart attitude? There are five ways we can see in this passage with Daniel that intercessory prayer requires a proper heart attitude. Number one, intercessory prayer requires a heart for God's word. This passage begins with the mention of the change of leadership in the empire to Darius the Mede. Darius has been appointed by Cyrus as administrator over the empire. This change of leadership occurred in 538 B.C. We know that Daniel was captured and sent to exile in 604 B.C. from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar and that the city of Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian armies in 586 B.C. So Daniel was about 15 or 16 when exiled to Babylon. That makes him 82 years old right here. Look at Daniel Here he shines as a lifetime student of the Bible, which I hope and pray you're a student of the Bible. He had been reading the prophet Jeremiah when he discovered that text in Jeremiah 25, 11, 13 that gives the prophecy concerning the length of the exile of God's people. It's also important to note that Daniel recognized the writing of Jeremiah as inspired scripture. Daniel found in God's word here that God was about to move. This word of God caused Daniel to become burdened for the rebuilding of the nation of Israel. And he understood that as he himself had been in exile at least 66 years or 67 years, it was getting close to time for God to move and release the Jewish people to go back home. So Daniel begins to plead with God. Certainly Daniel had a prayer life. We see he prayed three times a day. We see he had been faithful. But here we have a focused prayer specifically to forgive the Jewish people of all their sins and allow them to rebuild Jerusalem. What amazes me is the accuracy of God's word. Daniel perceived that the 70 years were almost finished, and he saw the move of God to fulfill Jeremiah's prophecy. 
what's amazing is that God's word is true and will be fulfilled and we need to be looking. We need to be seeing God's word. We need to prepare in our hearts for what God is going to do. The starting place for intercessory prayer is a love for God and his word, paying careful attention to what God has said. Daniel was claiming the promise of God's word for him and his people. My question to you, beloved, is are you seeking God in his word and claiming his promises for you and yours? Take 15 to 20 minutes every day and make a daily habit of reading God's word and seeking God in his word. Seek his will for you and claim his promises for your life. The second way we see intercessory prayer work out is intercessory prayer requires setting your face toward God. It's necessary to set your face toward God. This text gives us a snapshot of the old Daniel who's given himself to prayer. Setting your face toward God means personal spiritual preparation. Here we see Daniel who prepares himself with mourning, with sackcloth, with fasting and confession, all elements of a humble and repentant heart before God. Daniel humbled himself before God. We'll never see the move of God until we humble ourselves before an almighty God and call on him with intercessory prayer, seeking God to move. If we ever are going to become the people of God who have an effective prayer life, we must set our face toward God, prepare our hearts spiritually with genuine humility and genuine faith. We see many examples in God's word of God's children setting their face toward God in prayer with a proper attitude and a proper spiritual preparation. I think about old Noah. When God spoke to Noah, the world was wicked in the pre-flood days. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God spoke to Noah. And then Noah had a relationship with God and he called on God, you can see, for divine deliverance from imminent judgment. And I think about Abraham. God called Abraham out of a land in the east and sent him to a land he didn't even know where he was going. And God said he's going to give him a son. Even when he is past childbearing, Abraham prayed. And he prayed for a son. And he prayed also for God's provision on chapter 22 when he was going to offer his only son. God provided ram. Abraham interceded with power. And I think about Isaac. He prayed for a wife and received it. I think about Jacob who prayed for children. And he received 12 children, 12 sons, to become the nation of Israel. I think about Joseph, who prayed in that prison, who was locked up for no reason except God's divine training. And he prayed for release from prison. And not only was he released, he was set as prime minister of Egypt. I think about Moses, who prayed, bringing the children of Israel through 40 years in the desert, out of Egypt by an outstretched hand of the living God. And on the mountain, Mount Sinai, he prayed to see the face of God. I think about Joshua, who prayed for spiritual and military victory, and God gave it to him. Think about Elijah, who called on God to send the fire of God upon the holy sacrifice and call the people of God from their apostate state back to Yahweh worship and faithfulness to the living God. I think about Elisha, who prayed for the resurrection of the little boy, and God granted it. I think about Hezekiah, who prayed for national deliverance, and God gave it. And then I think about Hezekiah laying in the bed, about to die, and the prophet saying, you're going to die, get your affairs in order. And he turned his face toward the wall, and he wept, and he called on God, and God stopped the prophet and turned him back around and sent him back up the steps and said, tell him, I've heard your prayer. 
I've given you 15 more years. I think about Josiah, who heard the word of God read that had been lost in the dusty basement of the temple, and he humbled his heart in repentance for all the sins of his fathers, and God stayed his judgment because of Josiah's repentant heart. Beloved, if we're going to see the power of God, we got to prepare our hearts and plead with God in intercession. I think of many more examples, but let me say this. We know intercessory prayer is of utmost priority in a believer's life. Even in the New Testament, the call to prayer, Jesus' call to prayer. In the early church, in Acts 6, we see the critical nature of prayer and intercessory prayer. The Bible says, when there was an issue in the church, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The early apostles and early church leaders understood the power of intercession and they could not leave their prayer closets to serve tables. This ought to be a lesson for us today. We must not leave our prayer closet, even when there seems to be compelling reasons to do so. I want to challenge you to make a decision to set your face to God and seek God. Spiritually prepare your heart to seek God in intercessory prayer. This is the work of a believer in continually seeking the face of God and maintaining an active spiritual focus. Number three, intercessory prayer confesses transgressions against God. Here we see Daniel begin to name the sins of the people against God, and the chosen people of God had committed great sins against God that resulted in the destruction of Israel. We see their rebellion. He he begged for forgiveness for their rebellion against the commands of God found in the Mosaic Law, rebellion against the command to worship only Yahweh by engaging in flagrant immoral idolatry. We see their rebellion against the prophets of God by stubbornly resisting the prophet's admonition from God himself. All these things we hear Daniel acknowledging before a holy God. And friend, if we're ever going to have an effective prayer life, we must confess our sins to God, all of them, and not try to hide our sins. Psalm 51 records the prayer of David after he sinned. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. King David humbled himself and confessed his sins to God, the sin of adultery and the sin of murder. Proverbs 28:13 promises he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Beloved, James 5:16 says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Confession is critical to intercessory prayer. Confession of sin is necessary for the favor of God upon our lives, upon our families, upon our churches, upon our communities, 
upon the kingdom work and upon the nation. Confess means to agree with God about something that's not right in our lives and then forsake all that is wrong in God's eyes and embrace all that is right in God's eyes. Confession is critical to effective intercessory prayer. We need to confess our sins before a holy God. Number four, intercessory prayer vindicates God's righteousness. We see in this text, Daniel proclaims that righteousness belongs to you, but to us belongs shame of face. We see the vindication of God's righteousness in verses 11 through 14. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. What Daniel is praying is that all that was written in Deuteronomy years before, centuries before, is now coming to pass. God's word said in Deuteronomy 28:63, and it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. What Daniel is praying is that because they have sinned against the holy God of Israel, God had already prophesied in Deuteronomy 27, 28 that he would scatter them among the nations, that he would discipline them, that he would pronounce judgment on them. And so now he's vindicating the righteousness of God in that God has been true to his word and God has done exactly what he said he would do and God does discipline those he loves. In fact, God has to be true to his word and Daniel understands that God is bound to fulfill his word as a faithful and righteous God. This involves discipline and judgment. In fact, Hebrews 12 says to us, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God only wants to do something in our lives through divine discipline. We must submit to God and let him work out his will in our lives. And we must realize that God will be faithful to his word. He will punish sin. A man will reap what he sows. There are consequences to our sins. But when we forsake our sins and confess them and we turn back to God, God will receive us and he'll work it out in our lives. The fifth way intercessory prayer works in our lives we can see is that intercessory prayer seeks God's mercy on others. We understand that intercessory prayer comes from a proper heart attitude, and this heart attitude is for God's mercy on others. Daniel cried out for mercy upon God's children. He prayed for the restoration of his people and nation and his blessed city of Jerusalem and appealing to God's mercies Daniel intercedes for God's children and for the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth. Intercession, by definition, is steady prayer for others. Ultimately, when we make intercessory prayer our priority, we're going to pray for restoration and for the advancement of God's kingdom on earth. Some years ago, Miss Floyd Castle, 91, 
wrote an article in Alliance Witness describing the various ministries she conducts for the Lord from her room in the nursing home. One was that of prayer. Missionaries give me prayer requests, which I remember before God's throne three times a day. This practice began a number of years ago at a woman's missionary meeting. We had a speaker who talked about tithing our time as well as our money. That evening, I knelt and asked the Lord how much time I should spend in prayer. And he definitely told me three hours a day. I began spending one hour each morning, afternoon, and evening in prayer. But then I got very busy with child evangelism classes, giving demonstrations on the use of flannel graph material, speaking at women's meetings, and I began to slip up on my prayer time in the afternoon. Soon I was too sick to teach or speak. I had heard a sermon on how Daniel waited 21 days to learn something from the Lord. So I began waiting for the Lord to reveal to me why I was no longer able to draw upon, quote, his supernatural strength for my supernatural tasks, as Dr. A.B. Simpson so aptly put it. After several nights of waiting on the Lord in prayer, I understood. The Lord said to me, I will not let you teach again until you get back to your three hours a day in prayer. I asked for forgiveness for my neglecting prayer and promised, with the help of the Holy Spirit, never to forget this important lesson. Now, in my 91st year, I still have this ministry of prayer three times a day. Friend, how can we develop our own prayer life? Start simple. Just talk out loud to God from your heart. Anything you feel that you have done that is against God, name it out loud to God and say to God that you're sorry. Then keep your spiritual eyes on Jesus and keep an awareness of the Holy Spirit here on earth and keep your heart focused on God and his purpose for your life. Make it a daily priority to open God's word. Listen for his voice to guide you in understanding what you're reading. As we have just seen, the scripture and prayer go together like a glove. One simple formula is this. It's based on the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. When you pray, start with A, adoration of God. Recognize God's awesome goodness and love and mercy and faithfulness. And number two, C, confession. Confess all none's sin. Then three, thanksgiving. Give thanks for all God's goodness. And finally, S, supplication, which is presenting your request to God. Friend, let's commit to be intercessor for the king, finding that our heart is right before the Lord and our prayers are reaching the King of kings and Lord of lords. God bless you all, and I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL, as we spread the good news of Jesus.